1: Since 1925, 95 Best Actress Awards have been bestowed by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. As of mid-2022, those Academy Awards have gone to a total of 78 women, as some of them have won the award more than once. The list is a who's who of Hollywood royalty and features some of the finest performances to ever grace the silver screen. And now, for a special Patreon-sponsored minisode, the Great Pop Culture Debate Podcast wants to determine what is the best Best Actress Oscar winner of all time giving Liz Taylor a run for her dashed hopes and good intentions. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. I'd like to thank the Academy for this prestigious award and welcome my panelists for this episode. It was an honor for them just to be nominated.
2: Hey, you all right there, Carissa Claus? Oh, I just think I'm going to barf. Well, that
1: passed. Now I'm hungry again. Oh, well, I just put my friend through the chipper shredder out there. You want some? He's always depended on the kindness of strangers. It's Kevin Dillon. Strangers, glory holes, bathhouses, and hopefully on the other end, they look like a 50s Marlon Brando. Well, I have heard that he runs around the streets of Astoria yelling, FELLA! (laughs) And finally, he's the Patreon supporter who sponsored this episode, and he knows what it takes to win an award. Please welcome back Steve Nikolov.
3: Seeing as I have no brains or podcasting expertise, I just went out and performed sexual favors. 634 blowjobs in five days. I'm really quite tired.
1: 634? Amateur. (laughs) So... How does this work? Although this was a mini-sode, we actually did have a public poll of every Best Actress Oscar winner from Janet Gaynor in 1927 to Jessica Chastain in 2021. We tallied the votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? Go to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the Polls and Brackets tab. There you'll find the listener bracket for this and every episode of our show. Make a copy for yourself, fill it out, and see if your picks line up with ours. Now, before we start, I want ask my panelists what were some of the actresses slash performances that you were surprised did not make the bracket Uh, I will start in reverse alphabetical order Steve what were yours
3: I have a few and I don't want to steal anyone's thunder so I'll just name one for now but if the others don't get named I may name it but I think the one that I was most surprised about is Jane Fonda
4: Mm. Um,
3: just Clute specifically is a movie that I just I absolutely adore that movie Um, I think it's a masterful performance on her part and, you know, I, I just think that uh, she's well, she's certainly not recognized as a talent, but uh, I've just been happy to see her have a bit of a career resurgence later in her life.
1: Yeah. Uh, Stan Jane Fonda. And I think this is one of those things where as the next as the the boomers i'm just gonna be very blunt here die off and the next generation kind of discovers more of her work the whole kind of pall that was cast over her because of her political stance will go away and i think people will just flat out embrace her she's amazing oh, like I, amazing I think we should do a whole jane fonda episode because what an incredible so fucking lootly yeah she's an icon yeah yeah. yeah. And I don't think she gets nearly enough credit. So that's
3: a great pick. I mean, for the workout videos alone. Yes.
1: <laughs> My buns feel like steel because of her. Thank you, Jane Fonda and the men of New York. Thank you as well. Um, I'm going to go now to Kevin. What's one of yours?
0: Yeah. I, so I want to I went about this with two methodologies. One, that's a pretty I guess I don't know. I would say recent in terms of who actually ended up making the list. And that's share for Moonstruck um i'm I'm really disappointed in the gaze for that one Mm -hmm, because moonstruck is a great movie i guess maybe it's still underseen by younger millennials and beyond like i i I don't know if they're just not seeking that movie out um i'm not i'm not sure why that didn't make the cut because her popularity is peak strong and i guess maybe people still don't recognize her talent as an actress could be sure, sure. um which is a bummer because she's an amazing actress yes she is and people need to snap out of it yeah um, i was gonna snap out of it stupid i'm a terrible share <laughs> impersonator
1: uh but you're very good at her off-brand discount cousin share cutery so Cher-cuterie. <laughs> <go>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
4: um
1: and then another
0: w- another one that i w- i looked at it from uh like old school perspective that like with the phrase gaslight being so popularly Mm. used, I guess people didn't go back and watch the movie. It is on HBO max. Um, And I don't know, maybe some Ingrid Bergman could have made the list. Um, But again, I guess people just know the phrase without the film. So what, what can I do? Yeah. And wasn't Angela Lansbury also in gaslight? She was, she was nominated. She was 19 and it was her first film. That's
1: Fucking wow! Crazy. Good God. Yeah. Um. All right, Carissa. How about you? Yeah. So I actually
2: have one actor who um w- won for two different films and isn't represented at all in our bracket, and that's Hilary Swank. Um, for both Boys Don't Cry and also Million Dollar Baby, which are both completely different roles. But like, Boys Don't Cry was. I mean, that film is really. Painful and difficult and iconic, and did a lot for, I don't know, bringing queer conversations to the mainstream or showing struggles and and her embodying that role with such um, honor and sensitivity is just you know, really like makes sense why she won. Um, and million dollar baby is such is also such an interesting, um, conversation starter film, which is actually not about boxing. Um, and yeah, she's just so strong. I, she's one of the people that I always really love and we'll see her in most everything.
1: Um, I was having this conversation with Kevin a couple days ago as we were preparing for this. And there's a real difference between movie stars and actresses. Mm -hmm. And I think, hillary swank i just refer to her as swank uh you know just like
4: all- <laughs> swank.
1: Um, swank is an actress right mm-hmm. like she's not a movie star to me which is fine she's a very talented actress um but uh it's just one of those things where i feel like weirdly she can't stay in the public consciousness despite the fact that she won two best actress <laughs> oscars within like i want to say a decade right
0: Oh, yeah. I th- yeah, like I less that- than even almost less than five years actually of one another.
3: I honestly think that my problem with Hillary Swank is that both times I wouldn't have picked her to win.
0: Mm-hmm. I would have picked Annette Benning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Annette Benning, thanks you.
3: Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm just saying, like, that's, I think that that's why she just never really clicks on my
0: radar. Totally.
2: Uh, She's are, also kind of a chameleon, right? And it's yeah, hard no. to... Uh, someone who's constantly doing different stuff is hard to kind of keep an
1: eye on, you know? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, Steve, you mentioned you had a couple others before
3: we move on to mine. Uh, just two that I thought of. Um, the first is a little more recent, but I honestly can't think of a movie recently that I've seen her in that I didn't like her in, and that's Renee Zellweger. Um, I just... I really enjoy her performances, and I I... I mean I, I thought her performance as Judy Garland in a movie that really wasn't so great. the performance was I thought spectacular mm-hmm. and then um the other one was Sally Field. I was surprised that she just got no love whatsoever because I think that both the performances that she won for are good, but also people just seem to love her and I just I was surprised on the
0: that at the, that she didn't do better in a poll.
1: Yeah.
3: They
0: didn't like her. They didn't really like her. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe, they, maybe they don't love her. They only yeah, just, like they her. just
0: like her. They
1: just like her. I love Sally Field. And Sally Field has been working consistently for like five decades. And I do, I agree that she was one of the ones I initially had on my list. I took off. I'm glad you mentioned her. Um, for me, the ones that were very surprising not making it Halle Berry for Monsters Ball, who I believe is to this day still the only. African-American woman to win the Best Actress Oscar, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Let's just put that out there. Yeah, Um, Shirley McLean for Terms of Endearment. It's one of my all-time favorite over-the-top roles, and we'll get into our personal rubrics as we go along, but I think you will find most of the time I'm looking for over-the-top. I'm looking for ridiculous that's what, you know, butters my toast, and (laughs) she was in this movie. There was not a lot of subtlety in that performance. Uh, Faye Dunaway in Network, and then where are the gays that Joan Crawford or Betty Davis did not get on this list? I just want to apologize to the homosexuals out there. Not my call. Um, it was the people who took the poll and now they're one of our icons, our petty icons, ended up making the list. So with that, let's get into these actual debates. First, the panel is currently split between ultimate number one seed, Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins and four seed Vivian Lee in a streetcar named desire. Steve delivered Julie a spoonful of sugar to perk up her chances to advance. Kevin explain why Vivian Stella should get her groove back in round two. I'll have Kevin go first.
0: And I am swayable on this one. So um, this was, but this was one of the films that I, had to do homework on. I had seen it, but I had not seen a streak. I had seen it, but I haven't seen a streetcar named Desire in a in a really long time. Um, and I, I I actually think this was only maybe my second time seeing this film. Um, I've seen the play on on Broadway. One of the many, many, many many revivals that they do for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I think, an acting tour de force for across the board. Like every single one of these people is just, oh my God, giving their best Southern Gothic wildness. But Vivian Lee, who won two Oscars, one for Gone with the Wind, and uh, of course one for this role as Blanche Dubois, is... It is breathtaking. And one of the few people to probably I will say this deserve both of her Oscars. She's really, really fantastic in this. You know, just the the mania, the 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 sweetness um a- and then the way she plays off of each of her compatriots is is just brilliant. And she wasn't the original Blanche in the play. Mm-hmm. Everyone transferred from Broadway to film except for Jessica Tandy. Um, oh, I did
1: not know that.
0: Yeah. Tandy, who eventually won her best actress Oscar in 1989 for driving Miss, Daisy. driving Miss Daisy. Um yeah. And so everyone everyone transferred. Uh, but and and I would guess it's has to do with probably looks, um, because Lee was, even though in the movie they make her seem like she's just this like haggard old woman, um, is beautiful still. <laughs> and just, I mean my my tagline at the beginning was was from streetcar because she just delivers those lines with wistful loveliness and and you know it's a performance for the ages it's one of i think the best oscar wins for sure it's just a, it's just a brilliant performance and i i don't always love over the top but boy does the melodrama work here it's very good
1: I love melodrama. Ain't no drama like melodrama. No, no,
0: melodrama no, no.
1: <laughs> uh, Steve, talk to me about Mary Poppins.
3: Well, this was one of those matchups that I really wish Julie Andrews had been put up against Audrey Hepburn because mm. the nothing makes me happier than the shade story of the year that Julie Andrews won her Oscar yes. with uh, Audrey Hepburn getting the role that Julie Andrews had originated on Broadway in My Fair Lady mm-hmm. and then Julie Andrews really winning that sort of battle because she ultimately won the Oscar instead of Audrey Hepburn. But I will also say that one of the rubrics that I had throughout my thinking on these was, was how layered is the performance? And by layered, I don't necessarily mean happy and sad or melodramatic and not melodramatic, but what kind of range did they show? And I really think that Julie Andrews so subtly yet so effectively showed A lot of range in Mary Poppins. And I mean, hear me out on this. I mean, first, I mean, no question. Julie Andrews is is so talented. I mean, just she's extremely talented in a lot of different ways. I mean, she's a true triple threat. But Mary Poppins, the way that she played her is just so she's so dark and so light and can switch so quickly and so easily in a scene. And there's a lot of a lot of sarcasm. In her roles that I just, I mean, the the side eye alone she gives people in this movie should really have its own award for best actress. Um, but she, I think, first of all, she sold Mary Poppins in a way that I don't think there's a lot of other people who could. I mean, Mary Poppins and Julie Andrews are sort of inextricably linked in a way that I, you know, I think it was really tough for somebody like Emily Blunt and Brave to take on that role in Mary Poppins Returns. Um, but also, I think that for the time of, of a little more one note actress roles, there was a real mix of positivity, uh, practicality, and what I would consider wit that were really refreshing from Mary Poppins. And she just, I just love the way she transitions from incredibly kind to incredibly sarcastic to, to almost melancholy. In you know, like mm. when she's singing the, the song, the Tuppence song as like a lullaby. I mean, that's that's a really kind of effed up <laughs> lullaby if you ultimately think about what that song is saying. So um, I just think for that, I think that her performance really, really showed a lot of range for, I believe, what was her first at least American film performance.
1: So that was an excellent argument on Mary Poppins, uh, Steve. Uh, This is a complete aside, but if anyone is a comic reader and you read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen books by Alan Moore, he brings in Mary Poppins in the later. uh, Oh, really? And essentially, Mary Poppins is God. And Mary Poppins is like omnipotent and much like you said, Steve, like flips from being kind and sweet uh, to like terrifying in seconds it's actually very interesting but i will
3: say if you read the p.l travers novels and i've only yeah. ever read the one i mean mary poppins was a much darker character so oh yeah you know i don't think that that's a odd call i just think that the mainstream public who only knows the movie doesn't realize how different the character in the movie well maybe they do now that they did that tom hanks movie but sure. you know um uh but i think that that's you know, something that I think a lot of people don't realize.
1: Yeah, great point. I do want to put it to a vote. Carissa, where are you on this one? This is
2: really hard for me because this, I agree. I didn't rewatch this film. This is one of like two that I did not rewatch that are on this entire bracket. Um and so I I was like oh it's Mary Poppins like you know I kind of wrote it off um because I had watched Streetcar uh, uh, several times um a bunch like in high school and then later because like you know that this is an iconic film and I grew up with Mary Poppins but never thought of it in the same kind of way um and so I'm a little bit torn because i do I do think the Vivian Lee performance is a tour de force, but it's also a little bit over the top right but it, but when you look at it through the frame of the day, you know maybe it fits and but the Mary Poppins really is more layered uh I don't know. Can I pass?
1: <laughs> um, you can you come back? You can. I think initially I had <laughs> voted for Mary Poppins here. And I actually think I'm going to keep the vote for Mary Poppins. My feeling is um, I love the Vivian Lee performance. I think it's incredible. I do think we have to note the fact that Mary Poppins was the ultimate number one seed in terms mm-hmm. of in this poll. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think in terms of like iconic roles I'm not saying that Blanche DuBois is not, icon- excuse me, it's Stella, not Blanche, right? No, she's Blanche.
2: She's Stella's Blanche. the sister that Stanley's married to. Yeah. Right.
1: Thank you. Um, I do think Blanche is iconic and, uh, but... Mary Poppins is Mary fucking Poppins, yeah. and I don't know that many other actresses could pull that off the way that they Julie Andrews did. And I do think other actresses could have pulled off Blanche Dubois.
3: Well, they have. I mean, let's be honest, they have. Sure. Like on stage, yeah. maybe not in film, but certainly on stage. Sure.
2: But also, yeah, Kevin cited Jessica Tandy. Like that's someone who's done really incredible roles on film, who probably could have done, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. can I
2: change my vote? I'm changing to Mary Poppins here. Yeah, that's I mine.
0: Am, I am, a, actually, as well. And I think it's really, it's the argument of the Emily, I hate to say this, but poor Emily Blunt, because she is so talented. But I love is. her. Yeah, like, she just, he can't replace uh, Julie Andrews, but you, you can replace Viv- Vivian Lee, and it's been done, and it's been done well. So I'm going to mm. go Julie Andrews as well. Clean, sweep. I sweet. hope.
1: Yeah, I hope Emily Blunt was paid well. Um, and I, I just have to say that this whole thing is super califragilisticexpialidocious. So uh, we are going to advance Mary Poppins, another tie vote between Catherine Hepburn in The Lion in Winter, a three seed, and Frances McDormand in Fargo, a two seed. Carissa, do not get snippy with me and explain why Francis and Fargo should make it to round two. I will explain why I will banish myself to a tower if Hepburn and Lion do not advance. Um, do you want to go first, Carissa? Sure.
2: Um, I'm going to start by saying that I had not seen The Lion in Winter until um, we started working through this bracket, and it was amazing. I, I remember texting Kate Ruculia and saying, I'm watching this film, and Kate was like, what do you think? And I was like, the dialogue is zippy. It's so um, good. <laughs> it's so good, and, and I really loved it, but I, but I ha- have loved Fargo for decades. Decades of my life. And as someone who grew up in Wisconsin and does have the accent, although a little bit lighter, uh, it's always been that film has been kind of a background of my life. Like, I remember when it came out and the way that people in the media were talking about, you know, the accents and the way that that was being portrayed, and also the way people were reacting to that, and also about, like, you know, there are people in Minnesota who were. Like driving along the highway looking for, you know, a a windshield scraper stuck in the snow and a giant pile of money underneath, um, which does not exist because it's actually (laughs) not a true story. Uh, It's been kind of a soundtrack for everything. And so um, I think Frances McDormand and the Coen brothers is an incredible combination. Um, And I love her so much in all of their stuff. Blood Simple is amazing and that and like it goes from there so specifically about Fargo um she's playing Marge Gunderson who is the chief of police in Brainerd um and these crimes are not the crimes that are in the film are not something that they're used to seeing around there plus she's pregnant. And so she's dealing with that and the morning sickness and the feeling like she's got to puke. Um, and also these really grisly crimes and also kind of trying to train all of the men around her, but doing all of it with such kindness and just on such an even keel. Um, she's so funny and she's so caring in the scenes with her husband and she's so, so, it's so Minnesota, the way that she challenges her colleagues. Uh, like, there's one scene where she's just, you know, where one of her partners is outlaying what he thinks happened, and she's like, I, I don't know that I'm 100% behind your detective work here. Um, just, like, because that's how they do. Um, and then there's also that scene in the hotel bar with her ex-classmate who's clearly in love with her, and, kind of, and, and the way that she kind of, like, is strong in, in asking him to stay on the other side of the table, but also like kind and kind of being like, I'm married and pregnant. Like I am good buddy. Uh, it, it just, there's such a range here and it's all done so subtly. Um, and she's just such kind of an every woman in this role. And I think it represents something kind of different. You know, she's not a movie star in here, but she's a fucking movie star. Um, and I love her. So, uh, that, yeah, Fargo.
1: I love Fargo. Um, I saw it in the theater, and I love Frances McDormand. I think she's one of the great talents of our our age. She just has the misfortune of being up against Catherine (laughs) fucking Hepburn in this bracket. (laughs) And Catherine Hepburn, I mean, we use the term iconic a lot on this show, drink. But, like, ain't nobody more iconic than Catherine Hepburn on this list, in my opinion. Uh, To that fact, she uh, was the number two currently for number of Best Actress nominations. Only Streep has more. And she is still the most winningest Best Actress winner with four wins to her credit. Um, I think Streep has three. Is that correct?
0: Streep has two lead, one supporting. Yeah,
3: Catherine's are all in lead.
1: Yes, because she is what? Sickening. Um, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) this particular win is super interesting because it is the um, scandalous tie of 1968 where both Katharine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand won Best Actress for two very different roles. Uh, Hers is for The Lion in Winter, which if you have not seen it, is a play. It is very dramatic. It is telling the tale of... um, uh, oh my God, why did I just blank on her, her character's name? Eleanor of Aquitaine and Henry II, whereas Babs, who we'll be getting to shortly, uh, is playing Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl and just fucking amazing. Um, but this particular role for me, uh, 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 Catherine would have actually made this top 16 bracket twice if we had not put in the rule that one, a- one role per actress could be on here. She would have made it for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner I personally think this is by and away her best winning role. It is a spectacular performance from beginning to end. She is fire. She is ice. She is manipulative. She is resigned to defeat. She is ruthless in her ambition and yet still somehow utterly under the grasp of Peter O'Toole's Henry II. Like, you want to talk about range. Um, As Carissa mentioned, the issue, in my opinion, with McDormand and Fargo is she is an everywoman. that is a very specific skill. She realized it fully. I'm not knocking it. There is nothing ordinary about what Katherine Hepburn does in this movie. Her Eleanor of Aquitaine is a tour de force, and I loved Everything about it from her arriving in a fabulous ship, draped in furs, head held high, even though she's been living in exile, to the finish when she's literally cackling as she goes right back where she came from. Misery, what an icon. I loved it everything about this movie and I loved her especially. So with that being said, I'm putting it up to a vote. Kevin, where are you on this one?
0: I'm also with Katherine Hepburn. I know we talked about people playing roles again and again, and, and I will point this out. Frances McDormand is not the only pl- person who has played Marge Gunderson. The role has been done on television by Alison Tolman, who was nominated for an Emmy and critically lauded for it and her own interpretation. And so I think what Frances McDormand has done is great. She has three Oscar... Three lead actress Oscars as well. I would say this is probably... This is two people who are winning for their best performances. I agree with you there, Eric. I yeah. think Eleanor of Aquitaine is... Catherine Hep- The definition of Cap- Catherine Hepburn just being a fucking pro. Like, it yeah. is a pro performance. Like, you... Other people have played that role, but who? Like, I don't know. Like, there's no other person who really lends the power, the vim, the vigor that Hepburn does in every single one of her performances. And she just is amazing. She's so effortless, and yet brings such a great layered performance to this. It's just a genius role.
1: Yeah, yeah. Steve?
3: You know, I actually, I'm going to switch my vote here. I had originally voted for Frances McDormand and nothing against Frances McDormand because I love that movie. But Carissa was talking about it and I think what I realized as she was talking is I like that movie, I think, more than Frances McDormand's performance is her best, where mm-hmm. I think that Catherine Hepburn is truly a lead in The Lion in Winter, where Marge Gunderson it's is line. not on screen all that, a ton. Not that that should be the barometer, but I think that Catherine's just giving it all the whole time, and not that Marge or not that Francis isn't, but I just think that 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 you guys have convinced me that that's just how did I make such a grave error. <laughs> and <I'm> number
1: <teaming. laughs> two. well, like there's no bad choices here, right? No. I was gonna say this no. is gonna no. to both right.
3: but I will there's, switch my vote to Catherine Hepburn.
1: Yeah, there's no and I feel bad that McDormand is going out in round one because she's because a-
3: she's the probably the most likely person to actually equal Catherine Hepburn's number of Oscars because meryl's yeah. only got two in lead, and I don't think she winning two more times, but I definitely think Francis McDormand could win again.
1: Sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She's one of our great talents of today. I just, she's up against Catherine fucking Hepburn. And I just, I, I do think it is the right tr- decision for Catherine to admit. I hope you will be okay with that, Carissa. It's fine. I just hope
2: that people like, that this reinvigorates some interest in Frances McDormand. And, like, if you have not seen Blood Simple, it is 100% my favorite Coen Brothers film. Like, and I think it's her first movie. And it's Mm. amazing. Um, And also, Burn After Reading, like, she's so good in all of their stuff. And so, like, revisiting their films to watch her is, like, a win-win situation. So, And
3: and I will say this for her really just quickly, and I don't want to go on and on, but I really do think that everyone who wants to see Francis McDormand give a really great performance as well. Should see three billboards. Um, again, it may not be the best. Movie. I don't know that I agree with that statement, but well, I'm saying it may not be the best movie, but I think she gives an excellent performance.
1: I think she's always good. Like literally tell me the bad Francis McDormand performance.
0: Yeah. I don't love you Three can. Billboards. I think it is not very good. And she basically gave her acceptance speech as her character, because that is her. Um, I, I I just don't like that movie. But that's me. His new movie is great. Go see it. And also
1: we Aren't we all on the same page with Nomadland? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah.
1: What What's the new movie that you were talking about, Kevin?
0: Oh, Banshee's even a Sheeran. Yeah.
1: Oh, I just saw a commercial for that before we started recording this. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Currently, I'm the lone loyal subject for four-seat Helen Mirren in The Queen, while the rest of the panel prefers one-seat Kathy Bates in Misery. Steve, explain why you're Kathy Bates' biggest fan. <laughs> I will channel Liz as I do literally nothing but subtly grimace as you all tell me how I should vote. Um, I'll go first here, Steve, because... I'm going to be real honest. I am not going to win this and you might as well save your argument. Um, I, th- in truth, this is one of the least exciting wins on the list for me. Um, like her main competition. I feel like this year was somehow Merrill for devil wears Prada, which like, listen, I love that movie and I love that performance, but best actress for the devil wears Prada. Okay. Um, <laughs> But to me, it felt more like a Mirren Lifetime Achievement Award than a recognition Mm -hmm. for this actual performance, which, when we're getting into it, is a pretty narrow performance. Um, It's extremely Mm -hmm. reserved. She's good as Queen Elizabeth II. She delivers that character, as we all know that person to have been. But it's very reserved. Like, the most emotion you get from her is clipped irritation. As she (laughs) snipes at Tony Blair over the telephone. And that one really lovely moment that she shares at the broken down Jeep with the deer. Um, Yeah. But in terms of, like, memorable performances, if I'm being honest the actresses on The Crown on Netflix have kind mm. of made this performance a little bit moot. So then you're saying to yourself, but Eric, you voted for her. And here's <laughs> why, I actually didn't find Kathy Bates and I had never seen Misery till I had to do my my uh, work for this. I'd seen the play, I'd never seen the movie. And I didn't find wait, it. Wait, wait,
3: wait. There's a play? There's yes. a
1: play of Misery. And here's another stupid fun story no for idea. people who are listening. And it's like, oh, my God, Eric, will you shut your mouth? But, like, <laughs> I was a theater critic in Rochester, New York. And they did this play at Blackfriars. And it was very good. But the actress who was playing her character, whose name escapes me currently, um, had a bottle of pills in her giant sweater. And every time she moved, I just <laughs> shake, shake. <laughs> shake, and it drove me wild. <laughs> this is wild. Um, so, there you go. That, that's a a, a a completely useless factoid for you. But that being said, I did not think Bates's performance is very good, but Oscar winning? Like, yes. I don't know. I, like, mm. where's Piper or Lori for Carrie, man? Like, that to me is a more like wowza performance than Annie. Annie Wilkes, that's her character's name. I just, I didn't love it. So that's where I'm coming from. But that being said, I'm going to go around. I'm assuming I did not uh, convince no, anyone with my no. don't vote for Helen Mirren M- Helen Mirren <laughs> argument. Carissa, you're, uh, you're going with Kathy.
2: Yeah. I mean, a, a movie where someone tortures a terrible writer, like I'm 100 <laughs> behind, um, mm-hmm. but also, and I rewatched the queen. Um, pre-recording post queen's death so that was a really interesting and kind of lovely experience but i think your comment about the actresses on the crown kind of doing it and maybe doing it better or they're so far they've done it at different phases um yeah i i it's it's kathy bates for me kevin
0: yeah kathy bates absolutely I rewatched yeah. the queen and I had the same thought. I was like, I would have rather preferred butch closeted lesbian, Judy Dench in notes on a uh-huh. scandal. Give oh me that. God. Give me yes. that.
1: Now that's a fucking performance. And uh-huh. that is a movie. We need to talk about more on this podcast because it is one of my favorites. Um, Steve.
3: Uh, yeah. I think that, I think Kevin actually made a good point. there. made me think of with Judy Dench, which is if you want to win an Oscar, play a queen named Elizabeth. Because yep. Yep. you know both, uh, you know, or, or if you don't even know when Oscar, win an award. Period. Because didn't Helen Mirren win an, a Tony for playing Queen Elizabeth? She won an Emmy. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I think she might have won a Tony for like it was called the the the. I can't think of it. I'll think of it. It was a Tony Blair like Queen Elizabeth play. But anyway, long story short, I just think that that well, I'm going to save my argument, but I think Kathy Bates gives a really Incredibly layered and subtle performance as, as Kathy Bates or as, um, as Annie in Misery
1: so we will be advancing kathy bates um next speaking of lesbians we're evenly split between the sapphic psychological horror of natalie portman and black swan a three seed and one of hollywood's greatest actual lesbians two seed jodie foster in the silence of the lambs kevin twirl and transform yourself in some monstrous hellbird in support of portman and swan hello carissa do you do what you can to keep foster and the Lambs screaming around 2 i'll have kevin go first is that
0: you, Doctor Lecter? No, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so I have seen Silence of the Lambs. I uh, shameless plug. Am on our uh, best pick, best best picture winner episode, mm-hmm. and we talk th- th- uh, at nauseum about Silence of the Lambs and how much we love that film. And I think that Jodie Foster, another person who has won two Oscars, is very good in that movie. But I just rewatched Black Swan for a, an up, umpteenth time. And the physicality that Natalie Portman... i So I, I look at this role and why I have Natalie Portman advancing is just she does what... Men are so often championed for doing, and, and I know you'll probably say this about Judy Foster too, potentially, but she does so much is create that transformative, uh, very uh studied performance, and then leads her film to, I believe it was nine or ten Oscar nominations as an actress, which is very rare. Um, and then wins the award. And and she's just she learned to dance, she really studied this. She really gives one of these, like, mental anguish moments. Um, and then she also t- tussles with Barbara Hershey, which is really fun to watch. And mm-hmm. I I just really think that what Natalie Portman does in this role, a- and I'm not always a huge Natalie Portman fan because I think sometimes she can overdo it, but I think this just gets it just right because you get the, main ma- apparently I like, best actress performances where there's mania. Cause I've said that word a couple of times today already, but she's just so good. And when she lets loose and starts again, lesbian alert, making out with uh, Mila Kunis and like lets loose. And then when she gives that performance at the end at that ballet and really just like twirls, 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 fucking nails it. Bites her professors or bites the ba- the ballet uh, or the director's lip and like just like feels the intensity of the performance and then maybe dies we're unclear like she is just that definition of the person who struggled for her art and she's just so beautiful at doing it um, it's amazing it's a great performance thank you
1: Carissa talk to me about Jodie Foster I mean
2: aronofsky does that to his actors right like uh-huh. uh the wrestler i have not yeah. yet seen the whale but you know there's a lot of talk um yeah i it's really hard to argue against that and even though i am arguing for jodie foster here i will say i'm swayable um i watched both of these i rewatched for the i don't know how many time for both of them at least six um the same day so it was a really fun double feature uh, but Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs as Clarice Starling right Starling baby bird and and that's kind of how she is she's like we talked about this in the best picture thing like that scene of her it's very in the beginning where she's in the elevator and everyone's at least a head taller than her and they're also all men you know she's the character that she's playing in this film is really treading this line between, you know, trying to hold her own in this masculine space and also, um, you know, she's learning and she's really vulnerable in a lot of this film and she's putting herself fearlessly in these really vulnerable situations Uh, and the way that she kind of plays, like, you know, the, there's so much danger in her interactions with many of the characters. But there's also, like, there's this overwhelming curiosity that comes over it. And the way that she is respectful. She's always Dr. Lecter, you know, with Hannibal, um, regardless of where they're talking or what they're talking about. And, you know, you see how she's kind of, like, used and abused by the men around her and how she probably also very much knows this but is still just you know doing her job very competently very securely but also she's probably internally freaking out because she doesn't you know she's a student she hasn't passed this stuff yet she's learning she's a sponge um it, there's just there's a lot of layers here but it's also really kind of subtle um but also just like seeing her in this role after you know like taxi driver when people and then you know if you know the cultural follow-up from that and how people were like she's never going to be able to be a movie star like someone tried to assassinate the president to get uh-huh. her attention um and here she is. Uh, in if only he lambs. succeeded.
0: No, that's not <laughs> right now. Sorry. <laughs> sorry no, we're <laughs> we're going to leave that in. You're <laughs> fine. GMS. I don't need the FBI on me. <laughs>
1: But
2: speaking of FBI, Clarice Starling. Uh, so, yeah, oh it, it's, it's kind of a really interesting, like, re-entry into film. Uh, yeah. A- and being a high-profile actor in, in a different kind of but equally vulnerable sort of role. So it's lovely Had, and amazing.
1: Hadn't she come back prior to that? Because didn't she win for The Accused
2: before?
3: Yes. Yes. She did. So,
2: yeah. And uh, that's another strength and vulnerability kind of role for her. So, yes. this is where I'm swayable, even though I'm arguing one one side.
1: So, Steve, where are you on this
3: one? Well, I was actually going to say, before everyone, vote, I just want to think about, for the moment, I really think that when people think of Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins in the Silence of the Lambs, they think about the scenes that they did together. And You can't out-act Anthony Hopkins in the material he's been given in that movie. She's going to seem diminutive in those scenes. I think what was so impressive about her performance in The Silence of the Lambs is actually the rest of the movie. It's the parts Mm. of the movie where she's not with Hannibal Lecter, where he's not chewing the scenery in his own staid way, and she's actually using her naivete to, I think, get ahead mm-hmm. in her career. Right. She, I think she, I actually disagree a little bit with Carissa, that I think she knows exactly what she's doing when mm-hmm. she's out there with all these men and, you know, just doing her job and she's kind of, like, buttering up her, you know, the the guy who's the head of the behavioral analysis department. And, you know, I I, I really think that the her... Her best performance in The Silence of the Lambs lives in the scenes that aren't with Anthony Hopkins. So I'm still voting for Jodie Foster.
1: It's an interesting argument. So um, this is where we're going to get into, like, freshman psych or whatever, uh, which is appropriate <laughs> given the topic matter. But I, I agree with your take on her more than I think I agree with Chris's, And you know I love you, Chrisa. Uh, <laughs> but... I I think she knows exactly what she's doing. I think Lecter knows she knows exactly what she's doing. And I think uh, the name Starling in and of itself, like we all know what starlings do as birds, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. They go into other birds' nests and knock out their eggs and lay their mm-hmm. own eggs and then mm-hmm. let the other birds raise them as the thinking that they're their kids. Um, and, like, I feel like that's what Clarice kind of does. Like, everybody thinks that she's like the little diminutive one who no one needs to watch out for. But in fact, she's actually quite sharp and is making her moves. Um, that's, again, bullshit, like film criticism, uh, something embarrassing I would have written in like 11th grade. But um, I. I hear all the arguments, and I'm not taking away from Jodie's performance. And I will say, other people have played Clarice Starling, and I don't think they've been as successful. I mean, no, Julianne definitely Moore not. was... I, and I love Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore was not a great Clarice Starling. Like It was just like...
0: Julianne oh. less. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, and then there was a CBS show about her that
3: I didn't even watch, but... Oh, um, that's right! Is it still yeah. on? it, I don't it know. came on the heels of that Hannibal series. They were really trying um, to run that Run that clock out,
1: and I mean Hannibal was fucking great, but oh, I love yeah. that show. Yeah,
3: but so Matt do- Michelson, I honestly think is arguably a better Doctor Lecter.
1: Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting. That's a debate for another day. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> no, but you're good. You're good. Um, I, I just, I still find myself more enraptured by the performance in Black Swan. I think it's showier, which certainly kind of attacks my attention. It is a shinier object, right? But my God, does Natalie Portman just throw herself into that role? There is, Mm -hmm. like, at, at the end of the day, when you're writing the obituaries for these actresses, I realize it sounds very grim, but, like, what is the one that's going to be written for Natalie Portman? It's gonna be Black Swan.
3: No, Every. it's going to be Thor, the dark world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Jodie Foster has oh, the, uh, certainly Silence of the Lambs is, is among her top credits, but I'm not sure it will be the defining credit for her. Does that mm. make sense?
3: Yeah, I, I guess would be, my only question to that would be, what do you think is? Well, they're going to start
2: with Taxi Driver. Do like,
0: you think?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I do think it is going to be Silence of the Lambs for her. I think it's I the will... more complete
3: performance for her.
0: Yeah. Although they could remember her for Chickapee, Chickapee, Nail. Um...
3: I mean, and let's not forget the masterpiece that is Panic Room. Yeah. Oh,
1: Panic Room. I love it's, Panic Room. It's amazing.
3: <laughs> With two it's... Oscar winners, Jodie Foster and Forrest Whitaker. That's and,
1: uh, right. What's the one where it's her McConaughey and the Aliens?
0: contact I oh, have no contact. sexual oh. chemistry whatsoever. I
1: mean, come on. Ooh. But like but I love contact. Like she's a she's a, she's a great actress. This is another one like they are they're both great. So, right now I think we're still tied, correct? Yeah. Hey, well yeah. I didn't realize Katya entered the chat. <laughs> um Oh, because of the contact. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but I'm actually willing to switch my vote over to Natalie Portman because when I did rewatch those films, the thing that struck me... So I've, I've seen a lot of these films, but watched them as, like, a film and didn't necessarily focus on one singular performance. So on the rewatch to prepare for this, I, you know, targeted uh-huh. in on those people. And watching Natalie, who's... Cl- and, you know, and all of these, these people are clearly, like, a big focal point anyway um but watching re-watching her in this and focusing on her the physicality of yeah. this role just completely stunned me and that that's what gives it the edge for me here so
1: there's an a, a naked ambition in this role that i didn't find yes. off-putting the way that i find it off-putting when say anne hathaway whom i also love <laughs> is nakedly ambitious for an oscar do you know what i mean mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. yes yes um
2: so this I, fits the character though, too. Yeah. So, because yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's three for black swan one for Jodie Foster. Are you going to be okay, Steve, if we move along? Yeah,
3: I'll be honest with you. This was one of the ones I struggled with the most. I, I, I just love the silence of the lambs so much, but no, I think Natalie Portman is, is amazing in black swan.
1: So it looks like we will not Jody Foster this type of behavior, and we will move Black Swan on to round two. Next, the majority of the panel thinks that people who need one seed Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl are the luckiest people in the world. But Steve wants to get lost with four seed Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Chrissa, explain why none of us should rain on Barbara's parade. Steve, channel your inner Italian and make sure that Audrey doesn't get the boot. Um, I'm going to have Steve go first.
3: Yeah, that's good because honestly, this is not the hill I'm going to die on. Um, this this is my foray into I really wanted to mention Roman Holiday before we get into the gay part of our bracket with Barbara Streisand, Elizabeth Taylor, and Liza Minnelli.
4: It hasn't been gay um, yet.
3: Um, but I just really do want people to watch Roman Holiday. I think that people don't remember Audrey Hepburn. I mean, she's an egot, for goodness sake. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like she's a one trick pony by any stretch of the imagination. This was also her first film. And um, I just, she's so charming and so funny and so almost like a little bit Goldie Hawn esque in Overboard. And I know that's not an Oscar winning performance, but she has that quality about her. That's just so you can't take your eyes away from her. And I think that that um, is worth more uh, worth watching. And I just think that her and, um, my God, my name is blanking. Is it Gregory Peck? Yeah, it's Gregory Peck yeah. in that movie. Gregory Peck um, are just so so lovely together, and I just I more than anything, I just really wanted to have this little speech to be like, go watch Roman Holiday. But I'm not going to vote against Barbara Streisand. I mean, my God.
1: It, it, I will say I seen, <laughs> you, you can't do it. You, you will be. I can't do it. I can't make myself do it. <laughs> no. Um. Uh, I had seen, I had not seen Roman holiday before doing the research for this and I loved it. It's a really charming film. Um. I was shocked that it was Audrey's first role. Like when they end introducing Audrey Hepburn, I was like, excuse me, what? Like, well, do
3: you know the story behind the billing on that? I don't. The story behind the billing on that was they were going to do on the poster introducing audrey hepburn and gregory peck was was like you can't do that people will hate me because she's such a huge part of the movie that he made them put her movie above or her name above the title on the promotional posters
1: oh and like, he sure. was Atticus finch he was a good guy that's really <laughs> sweet um i thought it was a, a wonderful film. I think she's great in it. This is the, again, back to that argument, movie star versus actress. I think Audrey Hepburn is a movie star mm. and she just has that magnetism to her. And um, she's, it, it, there's not a lot of acting work to be done in this movie, but um, she is, she's a star and you know, it was great to see her. So I agree. Watch the movie, but I do think Babs is the better. Is I also think this was Barbara's first film, was it not? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So we will be moving on with Barbara Streisand. Uh, currently. Uh, can
2: I just say about Audrey Hepburn? Yes.
1: So I, I think rewatched
2: it or maybe watched it for the first time. If I had seen it before, it was when I was a very early teen. Um, and I think she's good in it. I think there's some problematic uh, male female relationship stuff in that film but it's not my favorite Audrey Hepburn film. Like I really love her in how to steal a million, uh, where she plays the daughter of an art forger whose work accidentally becomes part of a museum collection and she has to like steal it back. I think Mm. it's also with Gregory Peck. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like this caper heist movie. Um, and it's really right. And yeah, so I, I love this as an intro to her because she's just her, her haircut and her doe eyes and everything, but I don't know. It's not my favorite of her
3: performances. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you think, I think everyone knows her from Breakfast at Tiffany's, and sure. I just want people to watch Roman Holiday. Yeah, and My Fair Lady, yeah. of course. Um, I think more people have seen My Fair Lady. I, I just I think Roman Holiday is the one that they don't even realize she won an Oscar for. Yeah,
0: agree. Yeah, that's true. true.
1: And don't. watch How to Steal a Million. It's really really fun and cu- cute. I do want to say that I think we need to do more classic film episodes of this podcast to. Mm elevate some of those films and also part of it is we need to tell people where to find them because I find it's very difficult to find a lot of these movies but most Mm -hmm. of them are available on Amazon you have to pay like three bucks to rent whatevs Um, but HBO also has a pretty decent one I I can't remember what I was watching but it was my
0: my other plug is go to your local library and buy yourself Mm -hmm. a DVD machine it's okay it is okay children (laughs) they do still exist and they do Connect to your television, and that is free. And um, I will tell you too, if
3: you live in Florida or in the Tampa Bay area, our local library has
0: a streaming platform.
2: Oh,
3: that's awesome! That's oh, is it
2: Canopy? Is it connected uh, to Canopy?
3: You know, I'm not sure. I've used uh, it only probably. a couple of times, and you have—they only have so many copies of a movie available. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to wait to be able to stream it. Like they only have so many licenses, but. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Sorry, I digress, but no, Sponsor, sponsor us, Canopy. Canopy. Yeah.
2: Canopy Canopy with a K um, Yeah, you can you can rent whatever, it's like five, five movies a month or whatever and I think it's five like seasons of a series a month, it's not episodes wow. um, with your, if your local library is connected with them, it's awesome My library has that, we have a couple of other things that are like free services that are really fantastic so patronized. Can't gets climb. new movies constantly. Cool. So like new, new,
1: new stuff. The more you know, Starwipe. wipe. Um, <laughs> that being said, we are going to move ahead with Ms. Dry Sand. Currently, it's a truth, not an illusion, that I am outnumbered supporting three-seed Elizabeth Taylor and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, while the rest of the panel has no moral quandary, picking two-seed Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. Uh, Kevin, I was going to tell you to provide an accent to Streep's chances for round two, but frankly, I'm going to guess I'm not going to sway anyone here because it's Streep, so I will just drink myself into a stupor over the sad fate of Liz is bellicose martha um my guess i'll go first i think this is a luck of the draw situation because i do believe that this is one of the great oscar wins in my opinion i love this now people may disagree with me because it is completely over the top like there's not a shred of subtlety anywhere to be found in this performance it is just Utterly unhinged. Um, she's barely even human. Like, like there's there's an animalistic quality to her that I, I found almost uncomfortable to watch. But I was st- still like, oh, I'm so in. Like just watching her tear into Dick Burton and tear into Sandy Dennis and oh God, George, what's his name? I'm forgetting. But he was on Just Shoot Me. Um, like,
0: oh George Siegel.
1: George Siegel, thank you. Um, it's just it is so vicious but that's exactly what the role calls for it's what lb wanted it, and you know it's an older broken couple luring a simple young couple into their web and then just tearing each other apart and then the young love for social support and uh to compensate for their own tragedies and that really resonates with me on a deep personal level um <laughs> So I loved it. Also good to know that Liz is one of our first leading ladies to go ugly to win her Oscar at the time. She was one That's of the beauties mm-hmm. of the world. And she put on 30 pounds and really leaned into the used up housefrau vibe for this role. So um, I don't think that swayed anybody because it's against Meryl. Uh, Steve, where are you on this one?
3: Oh no, I'm still fully with Meryl.
1: Yeah. I, I assumed Carissa. Yeah. It's not just Meryl. It's Meryl and
2: Sophie's choice. Uh, so yeah,
1: and Kevin, uh,
0: you know it's it, to be honest with you, it is a tough call, but it's it's that Virginia Woolf has been done many times and done well on stage. Um, I had tickets to see Laurie Metcalf. And oh my God, excited. I was just gonna say that's what I wanted to see. It's never coming back, I
4: know.
0: and the, the pandemic shut that down. Um, and from those who had seen it, they were like. she was going to win another Tony. And she had, I think, already won two at that point. And I was like, (sighs) Um, it's tough, because I, but I do love Elizabeth Taylor and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. I do think she does such a great job of bringing and shining her talent through because I think she is also one of the people who isn't taken seriously enough um, with her talent. But we'll talk about this a little later. Sophie's Choice is in a... Great is not a great film, but Meryl Streep is very good in that. And it is Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. And yeah, it's got to advance.
1: So that's my (laughs) ultimate winner going out in round one. We love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, next, the majority of the panel wants to say welcome, welcome in, bienvenue to one seed Liza Minnelli, as Sally Bowles, and Cabaret. But Steve remains tickled by four seed Olivia <laughs> Coleman in the favorite. I'll work the continent of Europe mile by mile, man by man, to explain why tomorrow belongs to Liza. Steve, do what you can to bring Luke Coleman's Queen Anne a crown in round one. Why don't you go ahead, Steve?
3: I I mean, this is probably one of those ones where I'm not going to win either because it's Liza Minnelli. But I, well, first, I just want to say I think Olivia Coleman may have been given the best Oscar speech ever. Um, yeah. She was so surprised, understandably so, but like it just showed the world how charming she is. And I love almost everything that I've seen her in, you know, mm-hmm. from Broad Church to the Queen and everything in between. Um, but to talk specifically about her performance as Queen Anne, like she did, I talked earlier about my rubric about layers, and I think that her performance as Queen Anne is maybe one of the most layered performances I've seen definitely in recent memory um, where she's just so depressed, but yet also so naive and yet smart at the same point in time. And you can see all of those things in her performance. And, and she plays with those nuances really, really truly masterfully. And I just, I I always think of the scene where she comes out with her makeup on and she's so proud of herself. And she comes up to Sarah, played by um, Rachel Weiss, and Sarah tells her she looks like a badger and gives her a mirror and asks her what she looks like. And she's like, a badger. And you can just see in that moment her fall dead in the face and then she leaves dejected. And then in the scene from the, the trailer that everyone remembers is her then yelling at the doorman who's like, did you look at me? Don't look at me. Why would you, you know, it's just so funny. So the fact that in one literal, like, three-minute scene, she can go from so proud to so dejected to doing what is almost like a farcical comic bit, I think is just telling of how good this performance is. And, like, her real sense of tragedy and pain also is so real with the bunnies from all of her lost children, And it's just devastating, but yet it doesn't overwhelm the performance or the movie. It's part of what she is, but not everything about what she is. And I just think that her ability to play so many different emotions and layers in a movie that is almost played like a farce with the men being so over the top because that was the point, you know, is that they're all stupid <laughs> um, it's truly the point of that movie, which is that there's just supposed to be so inane and you're supposed to be focused on how smart and calculating these women need to be to exist in a man's world. I just, I think she's the lightning rod that makes this movie work that in lesser hands would have made this movie fall flat.
1: It's a really interesting hmm. argument. Uh, and I love that performance. I think it's it's a great movie. Again, hmm. luck of the draw, she's up against fucking Liza in Cabaret, and you want to talk about the range of emotions. Like, she comes out on that one, and she's just a bad at hell on the stage, right? She's just seductive and on the prowl. And then in her like moments with Brian, I think is his name. He's it's like the most boring white dude ever. Um, She's just so (laughs) naked in her vulnerability and her fragility. And she just wants to be loved. I thought this was a tour de force. Was this Liza's first movie? Does anyone
0: know? I'm looking it up. I don't think so, but it could be.
2: I think it also I think it was.
0: No, she was in other stuff. It was close, it was early. Uh, To me. She was in smaller roles, but this was probably her first lead role. I think this is the first role people truly know her for. Sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Sure. And
3: I just Well on film I mean. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I just look at her and I just I was blown away when I saw her in this movie and I saw it as an adult. Like I'd I'd seen cabaret on stage before I saw the movie. Um, But I was just like, she just eats up this screen again. Movie star versus actress. This is a movie star performance. She will always be associated with this role. And many, many, many people have played Sally Bowles aside from Liza Minnelli. I think they are all compared to Liza, and I think they all fall short of Liza. I yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a better version, and it's a great character. Um, I do think that there's a little bit of an edge for me, and and maybe this isn't fair for musical performances because you have to have a greater range of talents. That's just the fact of it. Um, and man, she just smashes this. There's not a single second of that of that screen time that she does not own. So for me, as much as I love Olivia Colman, and I do, and it's a great performance in The Favorite, although arguably, and I remember at the time, there were people like, shouldn't she be up for supporting actress and not yeah. best actress? Do I you heard, remember this? Yeah.
3: Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Because it was really, it was Weiss and, was it Margot Robbie?
3: No, no it was no, Emma no. Stone. And wow. actually, I think probably, if I had to choose, Rachel wise was probably the lead. Yeah. of that movie. But and
1: I I feel like that was part of the kind of narrative around that win was was that really the the lead role in that film? Um there is no question that Liza is the lead actress, right? And she mm. she dominates it. The men in that movie besides the MC are all fairly useless, but um Sally is a lion. So, Kevin, where are you on this one?
0: Um I will say that you did a great job arguing for Olivia Coleman. I think she is one of the best, most recent winners. Um, and and I think she, you know, does a great job of sharing the screen with her cohorts. But I, I mean, you said this, there aren't a lot of musical, the, a lot of these are musical performances. Not a lot of women won lead actress Oscars for musicals. It's just not, it wasn't as, we just happen to have many in this bracket because some of them are the most memorable and best. And that is why it's Liza Minnelli for me.
1: Okay. Carissa.
2: Yeah. You can rub my legs, but I I just, I love Olivia Coleman and I love the favorite and I love her in this film, but I think all of the nuance, all of the range that she gives Liza also gives while singing and dancing. And there, I can't, I can't, yeah, I, it's Liza for me.
1: Okay, so I'm sorry, Steve. I feel like we've knocked out a lot of your choices. Are you <laughs> oh, that's okay. Me?
3: That's—I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of this bracket was just—I'm just happy to be talking about these people. I think that they deserve mm-hmm. totally a, another moment.
1: Absolutely. And if I've said anything dismissive, including Kathy Bates, who is an icon, legend, um, all of these actresses and these performances are amazing. So finally, in round one, a one unanimous victory. Thank God. As two seed Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich brushed three seed Diane Keaton, Annie Hall right out of the competition. That's it for round one, folks. We're going to take a quick break to verify these results with PricewaterhouseCoopers. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to our Best Actress Oscar winner debate. You came back? I can't deny the fact that you like us. Right now, you like us. That is the actual quote, not you like me. You really like me, by the way. Um, Before we get to round two, let's discuss how listeners can find you all on social media so they can share a selfie that will break the internet. Carissa, how do people find you?
2: I am on Twitter occasionally and Instagram a little more frequently, at Carissa Kevin?
0: You can find me trying not to at Lisa Rinna on Twitter Ah. at at E.T. Kevin's mind. I haven't done it yet, and I'm really proud of myself.
1: (laughs) Kevin, own it. Um, Steve, how about you?
0: Uh,
3: You can find me on Twitter at S. Nikoloff, like Resniak. I'm going to spell it. It's N-I-K-O-L-O-F-F-E-S-Q because I'm a fancy lawyer. Uh, And that's my handle, S. Nikoloff, E-S-Q. Great, and as
1: for me, you should definitely follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on Instagram and TikTok, and at Culture Underscore Debate on Twitter. But feel free to follow at Eric Resniak on Instagram and Twitter as well. That's E R I C R E Z is in zebra, S is in snake, and is in Nancy Y A K. So let's move on to these round twos before they cut off our acceptance speeches. Uh, it's a pretty fabulous elite eight. We were saying as we were on the break that um, we're very swayable on all of these because there's not a There's not a bummer in the bunch, as Kara would say. First up, it's Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins versus Katherine Hepburn in The Lion in Winter. We're going to go around the horn. I'm going to start with Carissa. Where are you on this one?
2: So both of these are people that I hadn't initially picked to move forward on my bracket, but uh, and both of these roles are incredibly iconic. I'm going to fall back on my earlier... Uh, rubric and say that Julie Andrews gives us range and singing and dancing. So I'm going to move her forward
1: here. Kevin.
0: I am with Catherine Hepburn in The Lion in Winter.
1: Steve. Ugh.
0: um, I
3: Yeah, I'm going to stick with the horse that I argued in the first round and go with Julie Andrews.
1: I'm very torn here because if I'm being honest, um, I think that Hepburn has the better performance. Julie Andrews has the more iconic performance, but the thing that I keep thinking about, and this isn't fair, but I'm just going to say it. It's not even my favorite Julie Andrews performance. And I don't even think, was she nominated for Victor Victoria?
0: She was Yeah.
1: like that to me.
0: Uh, she lost to Streep in Sophie's choice.
1: God damn it. Um, yep. But like,
0: uh, i I agree with you eric i actually ultimately agree i think victor victoria is a better performance
1: i if you haven't seen victor victoria by the way go watch that amazing she great in that but leslie and Warren is amazing in it and
0: so good i love this
3: so much
1: such a good movie and i mean like jazz hottest like how is every drag queen not still doing that number Uh, (laughs) i know (laughs) um anyway i digress um but uh I feel like I need to go with Kat, Kate Hepburn here again. Also, because in terms of like Oscar winning actresses, she is more important to the like topic than julie andrews is and that may not even be fair you're like that's not the point of this you stupid like it, it's about the performance versus performance but performance versus performance i'm still giving it to hepburn here which brings us to a tie so we have not done any tiebreakers yet steve because you're the patreon sponsor for this i'm gonna give you the first tiebreaker where are you gonna go
3: uh, well, uh, only because like I prefer seedings more than tiebreakers. You said Julie Andrews was the number one, number she one is. seed. Yes. So I'm going to stick with Julie Andrews.
1: Okay. So we will advance Julie Andrews into the final four. Next up, it's Kathy Bates in Misery versus Natalie Portman in Black Swan. Um, actually, very similar performances in some ways, <laughs> yeah. um, which I kind of love. So I'm going to start this time. Steve, you go first.
3: Well, I... I'd like to talk about Kathy Bates if she's going to lose to Natalie Portman, but I'm going with Kathy Bates.
1: All right. Uh, I'm going to go to Kevin next. I am going with Natalie Portman. Carissa.
2: I'm leaning Natalie, but I also think that we should talk about Kathy Bates here.
1: I think we need to talk about Kathy. So, Steve, why don't you go ahead and, and give us some drop us some science on Annie Wilkes?
3: Yeah, I think that it's funny, because in, like, 90, 91, 92, the Academy went through, like, this real, uh, like almost embrace of the horror genre. Cause this is the year after or year before I forget silence of the lambs and before. a year before. Cause and then silence of the lambs was a clean sweep of the all five awards, but that's not really the point here. I think what, what really draws me to Annie Wilkes is, is, and Kathy Bates is the, is the subtlety of her performance for the most part. I mean, obviously I know she goes cray cray at the end, but Throughout the movie, like, she plays kind and crazy again at the same time. And this goes back to my layered performance rubric. I'm trying to stick to my rubric, which is, you know, you you as the viewer, if you don't know how crazy she is at the start because you know the character, you have to be shocked by what she's able to do with a – with a a wink and a smile to the extent of of literally hobbling somebody. And I know it's a hard performance to watch because Misery can be a hard movie to watch, but I actually only ever watched it for the second time in preparation for this podcast. I just had never been able to bring myself to watch it again. And I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's just so, it's so creepy. But she has such a calm demeanor for a lot of the movie that you just don't know what to make of her. And she's so adept at making Annie terrifying without ever really going over the top, even in the first part of the movie. And it reminds me slightly of Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly in the Devil Wears Prada, where she never raises her voice in that entire movie, yet the entire staff is terrified of her. And it's kind of a similar a similar vibe that I really like at, at making the audience feel something without ever like raising your voice or changing your tone. And Annie Wilkes is very well educated. I mean, obviously she's a nurse, but she's also super naive and childlike at the same point in time with her obsessiveness about this character of misery Chastain. And I just think she portrays it so well and like i get that natalie natalie portman plays a very similar character with dancing and all that stuff but i mean on some level kathy bates walked so natalie portman could fly Mm. i don't know that's the best argument i got
1: no it's an interesting argument and i do gravitate towards the part where you were talking about really the performance there is not when she loses her mind it's the childlike naivete that Because one of the things I was thinking in my votes against Kathy Bates here was I have seen Kathy Bates be far more terrifying in many more projects than Misery. Like the hobbling scene, Hobby Lobby, like that, that obviously is a completely different animal, right? But like she's terrifying in some of the American horror stories and in even other performances she can be really um, intimidating And she isn't necessarily intimidating in this movie at the level I was expecting her to be. But that may have been a very deliberate choice to sucker you in so that those actions are all the more shocking. Um, Did anybody else get swayed? no
2: Mm, i think it's part of like when you come to the film um so i was married to a writer for 17 years and never saw this movie until i was not married to a writer um and so it hits you know some really specific places for me um but I, i and i love kathy bates uh i think she's so good at kind of I don't think it's a, in this, this character, it's not like a growing to terms kind of thing. It's a revealing of layers. Um, and But I also love her in stuff like about Schmidt, where she's just, when she does a nude scene in that film. Uh, and she's just, yeah, uh, I'm a little all over the place, but I'm going to stick with the physicality of the ballet dancing for Natalie.
1: Kevin?
0: I'm sticking with Natalie, but I I think, Steve, you brought up a lot of really good points. And I think Kathy Bates is such an interesting Oscar winner. I know you said this at the beginning. It was at this point where the Oscars were kind of going a little off book. And they did that a lot in the 80s. They awarded more older actresses, some comedic performances, some um, uh, performances that were grounded in thrillers and like, it was a super interesting period <clears throat> where they had even nominated like a Sigourney Weaver for aliens. And so um I think Kathy Bates is a product of that and it's a really good win. I just think Portman is just such a next level win um, in many ways. So I'm going to stick with Portman, but it was, it was, it was a tough choice.
1: Yeah, I, th- I, I am going to stick with Portman here. The only other thing I would say is I don't think I found Annie that surprising as a character because I'd lived with my mother for
4: 12 years. <laughs> and
1: so the idea that someone can come off as this sweet and kind of simple and quiet, unassuming person, and then be just absolutely fucking terrifying behind the scenes. Like, I got that. Like, we're good. So,
3: um, Natalie, it is. We're going right, to real on. quick, Eric. Before we leave that, I just want to make like I just think it's crazy. It's crazy to me that Misery was directed by Rob Reiner.
2: Yes, right.
3: Like yes. that's it's fucking wild. Excuse mm-hmm. my like my language, but and then also I just if you think that the hobbling scene is terrifying in the movie, go read the book.
2: Yeah, because it's not. Yeah, the book is worse.
3: They said it was too much for a movie. Sure, I can believe. Yeah, that.
2: and she cried before she filmed uh, some of the really violent scenes um, against my beloved Sonny Corleone. It, it's it, like the film is really incredible in just like a two actors kind of tour de force. Yeah, it's you know in a really confined space and just intensity playing off of itself. So it, it's a it's a worthwhile
3: journey. Yeah, and I just yeah. I real I just have to how you direct. The Princess Bride, Misery, (laughs) When Harry Met Sally, and The American President. I mean, just what the hell? What the hell is that? Range. Range, baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Amen. We should do a Rob Reiner film episode at some point. That would be fun. That would be fun. It would be fun. So next up, it's Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl versus Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. I'm going to start in the middle of the order. Kevin, where are you on this one?
0: I'm going with Meryl. And I want to, if, if Barbara goes out, I have to tell uh, the shady Barbara story. So, but I'm going with Meryl because it is an exquisite performance. Steve.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Meryl as well. I, I have my issues with Sophie and Sophie's choice, but I just, it's, it's Meryl. Yeah. It's Meryl.
1: Carissa.
2: Yeah, I hadn't seen either of these films until I got this assignment. um, Sephirage.
3: How have you never seen Funny Girl? I know, I know, and I was... I did this to Kate the first time I recorded, and I said, stop the (laughs) podcast. And I was
2: an English major, so how have I not seen Sophie's Choice, right? Like, we use that phrase all the time. Uh, And I was just blown away by both of these films and how amazing they are, but, like, Meryl and Sophie's Choice was next level for me. So
1: yeah. Um, I will continue to vote for Barbara because I am a homosexual, um, but <laughs> I do want to hear your shady Barbara story because she's going out, Kevin.
0: Yep. So the rumor that always persisted in Hollywood over the Barbara was, this is her first film was inducted into the Academy as an actor in the actor's branch before she was, nominated for this performance and i think you know where i'm going with this maybe i didn't know that Uh, the the rumor is that she tied with katherine hepburn so in true leah michelle funny girl form she voted for herself and voila there was a tie uh Mm. and so they jokingly poor barbara i mean barbara is such a talent and so the terrible rumor that has chased her she has two oscars so i don't feel terrible that bad because she has one for song as well but the terrible rumor that followed her all those years was that she voted for herself and it allowed her to tie with katherine hepburn when if you watch these two films these two performances they're both knocked out this round sadly but great great deserving performances
1: absolutely and that's a have-
0: wild story it yeah. is
1: yeah yeah If you have not listened to it, we have a Barbara Streisand song episode in season six, and you will hear many other scandalous rumors about Barbara. And I think it is very telling that she's one of those people in Hollywood that keeps getting all these rumors spread about her, I think, because she is strong, she's independent, and she does things her way. So, of course, we're going
0: to try to drag her down. Please tell me the white microphone on Oprah story came up.
1: I do think it gets mentioned. Yes. yes! So and and
0: please tell me that the mall in her basement came yes, up. Yes,
1: that is brought yes! up. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, go listen to the best Barbara Streisand episode. Uh, last. Wait,
2: in r- is yeah. this where we say goodbye, gorgeous?
1: Goodbye, oh. gorgeous. Um, oh. By the way, do not watch Funny Lady. It is no, terrible. no, no. Uh, yeah. Terrible, but I hope she got paid well. Uh, next, uh, and last in round two Liza Minnelli and Cabaret versus Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. Uh, I'm going to go back to the top of the order with Carissa. Uh,
2: I'm all over the place with this. It looks like I initially went with Cabaret, probably for the singing and dancing plus one, but I am swayable here if someone wants to try.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, Kevin?
3: Liza with a Z. Steve? No, I'm all over Julia Roberts in this performance. So,
1: shockingly, I actually might also go with Julia here, and I'm going to tell you why. Everything I said about Liza in round one is correct. She's amazing in this movie. It is like she will forever be associated with that character. I had not watched Aaron Brakovich since I saw it in the theater until I watched it again for this, and I watched it on the plane home from a business trip where I actually met Steve for the first time in real life. Um, And I was like, holy shit. Julia Roberts is great in this film. It is Mm -hmm. a you were talking about it with Francis McDormand where she's playing in everyone, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like she's a president or a queen or a cabaret. She is just an average, ordinary mom. She's a single mom. She's a single mom. And Mm -hmm. she sisters are doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, There is something about like Julia Roberts has charm, right? That is the number one thing in her arsenal. It always has been. And she is to me, Kevin, I had this discussion too. our last great movie star, we have many amazing actresses that are working right now. But in terms of that megawatt star, she's like the last great one we have. There have been a couple that have come since then. But like Julia Roberts, I think, is really where it's at. Um, this was her Oscar win. It was a kind of perfect Oscar win in some ways, right? Like she she was up against some real contenders for this one. Like this was Ellen Burstyn for Requiem for a Dream, right? Oh yep. shit! It and was. and that, a lot of people. Were Here yeah. we go. Yeah. People were pissed that she did that. That Burston got robbed because that. I mean, you want to talk about a performance? Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. yeah. Um. But but a, it's a lot less screen time.
3: A I was just gonna screen screen say. I you want to talk about contenders She was up against Joan Allen in the Contender.
2: Right. The That's bugs. one of my top five favorite films of all
1: time. It's fucking incredible. And I just like, but Julia winning here still feels correct to me, even though it's a quote yep. small role even, and like it's the movie star being getting honored for doing what is a quote small, quiet role, but to perfection. Right. Like I can't think of a single decision she makes in that movie or just like, I don't know. Like it is 100% correct the entire way through. And I'm and, not watching Julia Roberts, even though she's a
0: movie Eric. Star. No. Don't forget, she goes toe-to-toe with the inspiration that is Tom Girardi.
1: <laughs> Correct. And, actually, the actual Aaron Brockovich, who is the waitress in the diner scene.
0: That's um, right. That's but right. speaking of that, too, if I may, Eric, real quick,
3: yeah, yes. her chemistry with Albert Finney in oh. that movie. And I'm not, but I'm saying, like, and that's a testament to him, too. But that's a testament to her, as well. Like, their dynamic is just electricity. And it's completely
1: believable right? Like, yes, she's the, if you haven't seen it, which please go see it. Like, it, it's a true story of this woman who uh, like, we won't get into the backstory, but she, she used this lawyer, it didn't work out. And she needs a job. So she literally just shows up at his law office one day and bullies her way into getting a job. And you're like, this lawyer would do this. But you're like, no, this lawyer would do this, because that's who this woman is.
3: And she's, she's incredible. And She turns out to be incredible at it.
1: Correct, because mm-hmm, yeah. she's tenacious. Because the skills she uses to get there are the
2: skills she uses to get all the rest of the things. And she's a people person, yep. and that, like it, it kind like this role kind of elevates another completely valid and. Underrated set of talents Like the scene so I Saw it in the theater and then not until Like a week ago when I was doing research And the scene where They're like you don't you don't even have Contact numbers for all these people like how And she's like Mm -hmm. oh whose number do You want let me tell you everything About them and also their sister And their family and the problems they're having And all of it and
3: she just like Do you want their fucking diseases Yeah
2: Yeah, it's like strength (laughs) and Validity in like the single mom skill set, right? Because it's massive. Like the coordination you have to do of schedules, like the feeding and the caring. It's it's incredible. And but so Also, if I may, Chris,
3: sure I interrupt you for just a second. No, we, go ahead. The movie also shows her struggles with that.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's, that's but because with, it's with
3: not recognized it as a skill set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't glamorize single motherhood. No. She does an excellent job. And actually some of the deleted scenes are even better where she's like stealing cough syrup from the grocery store because she's trying to like get cough syrup for her baby that she can't afford. And so it does nothing to glamorize San Bernardino County sort of poverty and single motherdom
0: in the 1980s. I'm yeah. kind of glad I'm glad they cut that. I I I feel like the the I never pitied Erin. Like no, and I think no. that's one of yeah. the things that's that, a good like point. so I'm glad that they cut scenes like that because that just loses some of the like core of what I love. Aaron Brockovich. It's probably one of my favorite winning performances. I think it is great. I hate that people disregard Julia Roberts' win. I think she's so good. I- I'm not going to be mad about her if you three move to her advancing. I personally am sticking with Liza because I, I mean, she's just in. Im- she's just perfect and she encapsulates so much. I think of the folks that are remaining that are in musicals, she's the best and better than Julie Andrews. But again, both of these are great performances.
3: And I think it to to, to the point of trying to convince people to vote for Julia Roberts. I think it's the role that finally encompassed all of her talents into one role that was Mm. able to showcase Mm. her and let people know what she was actually capable of.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was the the moment that kind of made her legit's, and I think certain people's minds. She had been a huge box office draw for years. She'd also had a, a stretch of slumps, uh, or a, excuse me, a, a stretch of flops. Um, oh but yeah. This, this was really like, no, she is a legitimate actress, and we've been taking her for granted. And I, I love that as an Oscar story.
2: Like, and it's not a romantic lead performance from her which is what a lot of her other stuff was like yeah she's in a relationship in this film but like that's that's not even I mean he's a glorified babysitter exactly
1: you know yeah that said I would hit it I'm sorry him or her because both actually i find her yeah. very attractive in that film and like yeah she's I'm fucking hot. They come, but she's she's a hot she, yeah i mean well, when she, puts she,
3: the, when she, she goes puts to that
2: the boobs front and center and she's unapologetic and she fully acknowledges the power of them
3: i like, was just gonna say when she goes to that waterboard and convinces the clerk to let her back because she just leans on the counter that's yeah. i mean that's
2: yeah. And then, like, a sequence or so later, she's back there with her two kids, yes. like, running havoc in that place. And <laughs> she's still just like, I- I'm, a, you know, she and she's making copies of all of the incredible. If you have not seen this film since the 90s, uh, you should rewatch it because it is really, really
1: good. I think it's 2000s, isn't it? It's 2000. in it? 2000.
3: 2001.
1: Yeah. OK. So, yeah, early, early 2000s. So I think right now the only Liza vote is Kevin.
2: Correct? mm-hmm so yeah I think- I'm
1: suede I'm going with Julia
3: yeah Thank and you. I'm 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 fine I'm hard with Julia excuse okay. my language I mean
1: <laughs> uh, they're called boobs Steve um, <laughs> all right so with that being said before we get to those final four matchups we're gonna take a quick break to check on how Glenn Close is doing we'll let you know right <laughs> after
4: these messages.
1: We are back for the final rounds of our best actress Oscar winner debate. On our way up to the podium to collect our award, we fell on the steps. Oh my gosh, we're so relatable. All right. <laughs> let's take a look at this final four. It's Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins versus Natalie Portman versus in Black Swan, Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice versus Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. We were saying during the break that like none of us had picked this. So this is going to be really exciting to see how it goes down. Um, do I think it's the correct final four? The trick with this one is I don't think there was a correct Final Four. It could have gone any way. I do like that we have a range of years present here. We have Mary Poppins is 60s? Yeah,
3: 64.
1: uh, Sophie's is 70s. uh, No, Sophie's
3: is
0: 80s. It was 81.
1: uh, Okay. Brockovich is 2000s. Is Black Swan 2010s? Yes.
0: 2010, actually. Just 2010, I think. Okay.
1: So uh, we've got a nice range there, and we have a musical, a thriller, a docu, and two docu ones, but none that are like historical documentaries. Like they're real people documentaries. So that's cool. All right, let's get into it. Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins versus Natalie Portman of Black Swan. I'm going to start with Steve.
3: I'm sorry. Uh, I I know that blank hair is not good. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Julie Andrews.
1: Okay. Uh, Carissa.
2: Uh, I'm a little torn here and I'm just, this is really possibly shitty of me. Um, but I'm going to go with my recency bias and frequency watching of black Swan and go with Natalie Portman here.
1: Okay. Kevin.
0: Of these two, I am going to go with Julie Andrews. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I'm also going to go with Julie
1: Andrews here. Um, If we're talking about at the end of the day, looking at legacy stuff, I feel like this is a legacy role and, and win for Julie Andrews. Again, it's not my favorite Julie Andrews performance, I'm not even sure it's in my top three Julie Andrews favorite performances, but it is one that is forever associated with her. And I don't know. I feel like Portman's had other stuff. So that may be contradicting directly something that I said maybe an hour ago, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I don't care. So that's where we are. I'm going with Julie Andrews. So then we are advancing it's three to one for Julie Andrews. And then next it's Meryl Streep and Sophie's choice versus Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. I'm going to start with Carissa. Carissa.
2: I'm with Meryl Streep here and I'll talk about it more if I need
1: to. Okay. Kevin.
0: I, I am also with Meryl Streep. I will just say this. I don't think Sophie's choice is a good movie and we can talk about that later when we have to get to it, but I think she's just so good. Um, especially in the like back half of the movie where we get to really see her do more. Um, so I am going to go with her as well. 100%
2: 100% agree with you. Steve?
0: Um,
3: I'm actually going to go for Julia Roberts. I think it's a more complete performance from beginning to end. And Kevin, you stole my thunder a little bit, which is no no offense. But like, is everyone knows the iconic. We haven't talked about it at all. But everyone knows the iconic scene from Sophie's Choice. But there's a lot of that movie that drags for me. And I'm not... I'm not discounting her performance, but I just think Julia Roberts from from literally moment 1 when she gets in that car accident to the last almost the last scene when she's in her new office in the in the new law firm is a more complete arc. From beginning to end of of a performance, I'm not talking about the story or the movie. And I understand that Sophie's Choice is like it's it's a it's a it's a gut wrenching movie, and it's hard to watch. And I'm not discounting Meryl's performance, but if you want me to go from from performance from beginning to end, I think it's Julia Roberts. Okay, so
1: <laughs> I, I agree. That's a great argument, and I I, I do think that. Julia is we just talked for like five minutes about how I think Julia's amazing in that. And I think it's a great (laughs) Oscar win. But if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at a final two, I think Meryl Streep is synonymous with the Oscars. And I think this is I'm not gonna say it's her defining Oscar win because I'm thinking doubt has gotta be up there. She Uh, didn't win for that. She didn't win for doubt? No. Shit! Um,
3: She won for
1: Kramer vs. Kramer,
3: she won for Sophie's Choice, and she won for the Iron Lady. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh, I didn't get to talk about my least favorite Oscar wins, but there you go, bringing it up. Is it the Iron (laughs) Lady? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oof. Um,
1: (laughs) I feel like this is her best Oscar win, and so...
0: Yeah. Yeah. The-
3: can, can I say something real quick, yes, Eric? Please. I actually think what's ironic about Meryl Streep's career, other than Kramer versus Kramer, which I really like, and she's supporting in that, is I don't think she ever won for her best performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I- that's the part of the reason I don't want to vote for her in Sophie's Choice is I just don't love her in Sophie's Choice.
0: What? Okay. Now I
2: need to I disagree. This yeah. I think she's transcendent in this film. I hadn't seen it until the bracket assignment, and I was incredibly transfixed. She is next-level, like, no-filter beauty in this, and she's so vulnerable, and she's so, like... She's fucking Meryl Streep. But after the first 10 minutes of the film, I completely forgot that. That's she fair. became That's Sophie. Fair. The accent was so real. The vulnerability was so real. The 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 experience of what she had been through. I believed it 100%. And I did not even see her as a person in this role. Whereas with like, I know that Aaron Brockovich is a real person and that Julia Roberts was playing her, but I never didn't see Julia Roberts in this role. And I fully forgot this was Meryl Streep.
3: And I think that's fair. I think what I'm saying is, and I think what I'm losing and I need to get back on track of is I don't love the movie, but her performance is. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Phenomenal. I, I mean, like I think that's where I got to go. You know what, honestly, I'm going to change my vote to Meryl Streep. If I go with my rubric that I've been using the whole time, and I can't stop using it now, is I've got to take Meryl Streep's performance and not the movie itself. And Meryl Streep's performance in that movie is, like you said, Carissa, it's it's next level.
0: And Steve, you're bringing up something that is the common trend, and I wanted to bring this up during the podcast, of Best Actress is... There are often a lot of best actress winners that are are amazing but their films aren't great. They're not yeah. they're not good films. Still Alice. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get hate for that one. It's a bad movie. Julianne Moore's great, but it's a bad movie. Well, so is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. But I thought Jessica
3: Chastain was pretty good in that.
0: Exactly. Silver it's just- Linings Playbook. Silver um. Linings Playbook, another one. I mean, you could go, I could go on and on forever, baby. That's one of my favorite lines from <laughs> uh, But it, it, there's just so many actresses that, you know, in the modern era, like, and I'm going to say starting in the, like, 80s, where that is the case, and that's because... Mm. They were making vehicles for these vehicles for women to to shine and show their talents, but they weren't giving them the auteur credibility. They weren't putting um, as amazing. Like Alan Pakula directed All the President's Men, Mm. but like after Sophie's Choice, if you look at his directing credits it is a literal trash can <laughs> like it's not good and, and so it's just unfortunate that you get this I mean Erin Brockovich is a stellar movie it is a great film she's great in it it's just the thing about Sophie's Choice because I do agree with you I think it's a I, I don't think it's I think it's a middling movie yeah it's not terrible it's just yeah, not, it's, it's not it's not great great movie yeah no But she is the most vulnerable I've ever seen her, maybe. Well, mm-hmm. I guess, um, uh, um, oh my God, Cry in the Darkness. She's also pretty raw mm-hmm. and vulnerable, as Catherine Hepburn called this, her accent face. But this really is her best.
3: Yeah, it is. And and I think that I need to remember that we're talking about best actress, not best picture. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So point. It, it, to that point, Eric, I'm going to change my vote to Meryl Streep. Okay, so that
1: was a very intense debate and I loved listening to it. Uh, We will go to then a final two of Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins versus Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. This is a, what do you call it?
4: Sophie's
1: (laughs) Choice. Um, This
3: is Sophie's Choice. It
1: is. Uh, Do you go with Julie or do you go with Meryl? Um, I'm going to start with Carissa.
2: Honestly, I thought we would use the phrase Sophie's Choice a lot more in this episode and a lot more problematically. Uh I, I'm with Meryl here. I I saw it really recently and was completely absorbed and blown away. And I did not like I, I don't think as an ensemble film, it's not great. Like the people she's playing off of are not great. And the work that she's able to do is is incredible. So Meryl, all the way for me. Kevin.
3: Oh, pass. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Kevin. I don't mind going if you want if Go you want next. to pass. Steve. Go next, Steve. I, I I struggle with this because I think they're so different. Yeah. But I think, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to my rubric of layered and not that Meryl Streep's performance in Sophie's Choice is not stunning. I mean, stunning. But I think that actually Ju- Julie Andrews shows a little bit, maybe more range in, I don't know, in Mary Poppins, I'm maybe just, like, pulling stuff out of my butt here, but there's something about Mary Poppins with, like, I was talking about when I very first argued for her, very first argument of the very first round was that she can go from positive to sarcastic to almost a little bit like diabolical in in a, a span of a scene. Um, I'm not going to pass to you're going. With, you're going with Julie. I'm going with Julie Andrews. Kevin,
0: <sighs> this is tough. Um, it's like favorite versus best for me, and that argument online is something that happens all the time i feel like people conflate their favorite and the best Mm -hmm. and sometimes they are the same Mm -hmm. they can intertwine and they can be the same i'm gonna go back on mary of these two like mary poppins is hands down my favorite movie i used to watch that movie like i probably could have broken the vhs tape i watched that movie so many times as a kid and I, I used uh, to have it on picture disc. Oh, shut up. I love that.
2: That's,
0: <laughs>
4: amazing. That's yeah, amazing.
2: It was two picture discs. And we are
0: all now showing our age. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and, and I think Julie Andrews was one of those, like, personas that I knew very indelibly as a kid. And then I grew to found her stuff with her husband, who, um, oh, wow, Uh who directed some of her best work, including Victor Victoria. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so I think Eric and I both had said, this is like, I kind of prefer Julie Andrews performance in Victor Victoria. Um, And Victor Victoria is the same year as Sophie's choice. So by the transitive property, I don't know where that lands me, but (laughs) I'm going to go with Meryl Streep.
1: Uh, um, Steve, are you going to be very upset if you, this is the second episode that you've sponsored, and I don't think <laughs> you've won either one of them? As that happened in the last one. one.
3: No, but I'll be honest with you. Like, don't don't cry for me, Argentina.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, she didn't. She didn't get nominated. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, all,
3: <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is the Sophie's choice. Yeah. I don't yeah. know which to pick. I could have picked either one. So if you all want Meryl Streep, I and by that I mean like I I think you heard me struggle. I could have easily voted for Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's a tough it is a tough call. It really just, is. And I it just goes good. to show how hard it is to to when you get down to like the top 8 or the top 4 or the top 2 and you're talking about performances in just very different genres, that doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means they're so different. What's the rubric anymore? Sure.
1: Yeah. So for me, that's a great point. Like I was saying early on that my rubric is more for the big showy pieces, but if I get down to it, I'm talking about the art of acting. Right. And, if we're talking about these two performances, which one is more the art? I mean, it is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and the art of acting there. I give it to, uh, Meryl Yeah. for, yeah, such yeah I movie. think that's
3: right. I'm actually going to change my vote to Meryl too. That's, that's the right choice.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was Meryl before she was Meryl. Now we expect mm-hmm. this level of professionalism.
3: Of And I think, I think law. Kevin will agree with me. This is the last Oscar Merrill should have won.
1: Yeah, I think. Unless mm. I mean, doubt.
3: Oh, excuse me. Last Oscar
0: that she actually won that she should have won. That is, yep, yeah, I will agree with that.
3: I idea. should. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that because I said she. You know, she's had gotten better performance. This is the last Oscar that she actually won that she should have won. Yeah. And yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, what about the River Wild? But I'm I scared. mean,
0: she's great in the River Wild.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but. What, I'll say this? she hasn't What given... about The Hours?
3: She's oh, yeah. great in The Hours, which the she wasn't... The Hours
2: is amazing.
3: Look, yeah. I'll tell you, if I use my Kathy Bates argument, she wasn't bad in The Devil Wears Prada. No, yeah. no,
2: she's she's fucking iconic in that yeah. role. I mean, like... that's
3: honestly probably one of her most known roles yeah. in amongst Gen Z or whatever they're calling themselves now, Zoomers
0: or... Yeah. She, she kind of Hannibal Lectured herself in that movie, in all I, honesty, mm, because she yeah. is... Technically, the movie's about Andy. Sure. That's true.
1: And uh, listen, I'm not trying to talk to oh, a Devil's Wars product. People listen
0: to this. Like, I'd
1: be like, oh, boo. Oh, no, no, I love we're that just. Movie.
0: <laughs> We're just talking up, Meryl. You're fine, Eric. Okay, good. All right.
1: So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the Best Best Actress Oscar winner is Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the second
0: one where she's a ghost. Exactly. Here we go again. Spoiler well, no. alert.
3: Honestly, uh, she should have won for
0: Death Becomes Her. Absolutely. Oh yes. Pour one out. <laughs> I, anytime she doesn't sing, I'm good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the real pick is Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. Do you agree with our choice? Do do you think that Jack Palance read the wrong name in the card? Let us know <laughs> your pick by leaving a comment on this episode of greatpopculturedebate.com or yell at us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you like and subscribe for more great pop culture debate content. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, which you can get access to more exclusive... Mer- episodes, merch, and the ability to suggest episodes for us to do in the future. I want to say thank you to my panelists and thank you in particular to Patreon Steve for sponsoring this episode. Ooh, this was okay. so fun. Um, it was a great pick. So thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening. Our top tier Patreon sponsorships are all snapped up, but you can still get tons of great perks by sponsoring us at patreon.com backslash great culture debate. So until next time, remember everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions.